Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. For, for having me, and I just love being around uh, people that are hungry for God and, and want to see God do something to really, really press into the presence of the Lord and take him at his word that he wants to do something. And I just want to encourage you, students, I see that, leaders, I'm just thankful for you as leaders loving these students. And man, it's just encouraging. You know, it's just really being the church, like actually being the people of God. And yeah, I'm just stirred. I'm encouraged. I, uh, I didn't know that I was going to come and get encouraged, but I feel encouraged. And so that was a, a fun little blessing for me. Um, yeah, I want to talk today on how we're formed by relationship. So we've talked about the invitation of Jesus is to be a disciple, an apprentice, someone that follows Jesus to continue his work and uh, that he wants to foster a resilient faith in our lives that that as we say yes to Jesus and turn from our ways or repent for our ways, that, that he begins to shape us through story. He gives us perspective on how we see our lives, that he begins to form us through practices, the way we engage, how we spend time with him. And last night we talked that he, he actually forms us for mission. And as we partner with him, he's actually shaping us. And so today, I want to conclude that he actually forms us in and forms us for relationship. God, God doesn't invite us into a life with him that is to be done and participated in by ourselves. We're actually designed to mirror God as God is a relational God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect love and perfect relationship together. We are image bearers of God, which means we actually have to do this life together. This, this gathering isn't just because we think that church is cool and we just need to get as many people and seats as possible. No, no, this has been what the people of God have always done, have always gathered, have always looked around and said, this is my family, this is a new family, this is my people. God wants to save you as a person, but he wants to bring you into a people. He wants to bring you into a people. And he, if we wanna take seriously the way of Jesus, then we have to take seriously Community, uh, yeah, community. If you have your Bibles with you, would you just turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and encouraging this church that comes from all sorts of different religious backgrounds, diversity. Ephesus was kind of like the religious Las Vegas of the day. You could do whatever you want. You could believe whatever you want. It was like a spiritual playground. In fact, we have a school in the New Testament at our church where we walk through uh, the entire New Testament verse by verse, and we 
do this night when we study the book of Ephesians called Spiritual Disneyland, where we try to bring people through our little small church and show them all the crazy stuff. Like over here, you could do, you know, there's sacrificing this thing and all these chants over here, all this weird dress over here. Someone's got a shofar and they're like, like it's like, it's literally like Lord of the Rings meets the craziest thing you've ever seen. And this is the climate that Paul's writing to. And he's writing to these people and he's trying to bring them into a unity Paul most certainly wrote Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon at the same time and sent them on their way at the same time. And so when you look at the book of Ephesians, you see how it almost mirrors the book of Colossians and, it's, and they were written at the same time, but he didn't have copy and paste at that time. So he just had to write it to the best of his ability very similarly. But all throughout these books, he talks about community as a body, that Jesus is the head of the body. And so if we pick it up in chapter four, starting in verse one, it says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. A manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Some of you last night, maybe for the first time, felt the Lord calling you by your name, calling you up, calling you into a new, a new depth of intimacy, a new a new way of falling. Some of you felt like there was a moment last night where God had called you. Paul appeals to the people, says, live in a manner worthy of that calling with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to man. Paul continues, and he says, uh, down in uh, verse 10, he says, uh, or verse 11, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Rather, in truth and love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. It's a Bible reading for your day. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. We seek you, God. I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would make words on a page come to life, that it would speak to us one last time here at this retreat, God, that we would understand what it means to be formed into a community and formed for a community and how you form us into your image when we participate in community. 
Oh God, I ask that you speak, that you wake up our minds, that you get us ready for your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. One of the things I really like to do is go out to restaurants. Um, like I said a couple, uh, I almost said a couple days ago. I don't know if it was a couple days. Everything's a haze right now. I don't even know what day it is. My wife likes to adventure. She would have been with some of you that went on that hike. I like to relax, which means I probably would have been watching other people play Gaga Ball because that's a little bit too. I've tried to play and like, honestly, like my hamstrings hurt right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I'm like me to get in shape. Like this is motivation for me to like get a little bit more fit. I like to relax. She likes to adventure. So we try to merge that together. Let her eat adventurous food while I relax at the table and eat the food, right? So we like to do this. So whenever we go out, we try to find fun places uh, to, to eat. And when we go on vacation or when we celebrate something, we try to find extra fancy places that we can go. And we like to kind of, you know, save up and find that place where we go, we know that this is probably like a once a year place, right? That's how we do it. I eat Taco Bell throughout the week so that I can have a fancy restaurant once a, once a year. You know what I'm saying? The life of a pastor. So, in July, we were going to San Diego, and we uh, set up this whole week of like fun nights out. It was for celebrating our anniversary, and you know, the night of our anniversary, we were like, okay, let's go. We're gonna go to this fancy place. So my wife, who's the adventurer, also a bit of a controlling personality, uh, had to make sure that she picked all the restaurants, so she picked the most adventurous restaurant she could. And I, and I love going to restaurants because you show up and you, you, you go to the uh, uh, front table and they're like, is your name on the list? And I'm like, I love that feeling of being like, of course it's on the list. I'm an important person. Look at me, right? Like, I'm not an important person, but it's like the one time in life where I could be like, yeah, it's there. I know you're confused. I probably look like a snack size Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Do you want my autograph? It's on the list. And yes, I know this is an expensive restaurant, right? I it, makes, it makes me feel like I'm like, all oh, that Taco Bell was worth it, right? The consequences of Taco Bell was worth it because I'm here now. We go to this place. Our name's on the list. They show us to our table. And as we're walking by, I'm like, oh, this is, I, I, we really, this does not look like, this food looks hard to eat. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I don't get it when, like, I'm just going to vent this out a little bit. I don't get how, like, wealthy restaurants try to make their food harder to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it should be an efficiency thing. Like, it should just be easier. You're paying so much money, they should literally just give you, like, one of those, like, you know, like, things that, like, those pouches that you see in hospitals where, like, now you're fully, like, neutricized, which is not even a word. Like, that's how tired I am. Like, now you're filled with all the things. Your IV's going good. You're feeling great. But I'm looking around, I'm like, whoa, this food looks hard to eat. This food looks hard to eat. I know my name was on the list. I know that I have a place to, to sit and to eat. I don't know if I really belong here. And if the screens were working, I'd show you what I ordered. See, I, I sat down and the, the waitress came to me and, and she was like, uh, would you like help explaining? Uh, can I explain the menu for you? And I was like, <laughs> I don't need your help. I understand this. I frequent these kind of places. I, yeah, I don't see a Crunchwrap Supreme on here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know what I'm doing. So what I do is, I'm like, I'm gonna order, I'm gonna order the king crab. Why don't you, why don't you bring that out? I'm a king, I'm celebrating tonight. I feel like kind of kingly. Why don't you bring that out? I serve the king of kings, I'm a man of the cloth. You probably don't even know what that means, but you should get saved. Maybe I'll lead you to Christ later, you know? Anyways, bring me the king crab right now. Bring it out here, put it on the table. 
And uh, what I was thinking was that there was going to be some sort of like Gordon Ramsay, you know, little crab cakes. You know what I'm talking about? Like easy to eat, little like, mm, fancy. I feel good. I feel great. I'm going to have some room for dessert, right? What ended up coming out was like a crustacean dinosaur looking crab that's literally, and I kid you not, like about your size right here. Like it came out, it was like, I was like, what in the world, right? It's spiky. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a king crab, like it's crazy. It's like you were, you existed in dinosaur times, right? Like, and you survived. No one should eat this thing. It's, it came out and it's like, like its arm was as big as my arm. And I'm like, how am I supposed to eat this? This is not what I thought. And if I was insecure at first, whether or not I belong there, I was totally aware at this point. I have no idea how to fit in, right? But I don't want to be embarrassed. We talked about this, guys. I'm still working through some of the stories in my life, right? And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The waitress comes up like, sir, do you need help? Do you need any accessories? And I was like, if I need accessories for my food, I don't know why I'm even here. Like, this is ridiculous. You should have brought them out in the first place. But I'm like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want her to think that I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just Googling on my phone, like, how do I eat this thing? Like, how in the world am I going to eat this thing? And I'll be honest with you, about halfway through trying to figure out how to eat this spiky crustacean from the pit of darkness, I look at my wife and I'm like, babe, can we please just like leave? I'm embarrassed. I don't want to be here. Can we just leave? I just want to leave. Can we just get like a pizza? I just want a pizza. I, do, I need a pizza or Crunchwrap Supreme, whatever it is. I, I, I can't do that. This is too hard. So we get up and we leave. I was invited in. I felt insecure. I tried to make it work by myself. I got discouraged and I got up and left. And even though this is a silly story, I think this is pretty much what it feels like when we go to church sometimes. Hey, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm in, right? I wanna follow you, Jesus. I go to an experience like this. I'm in, God, whatever you want in my life. I'm willing to give it. I repent. I repent, God. I turn from my ways and I turn to your ways. Shape me into your image, God. Rewrite my story. Show me a new way to live. Give me a mission on my life. What's next? And he goes, community. And so you show up to church and you're like, okay. Uh, my name was on the list. I'm invited into the door, I'm sitting down, and all of a sudden I feel a little insecure. Maybe I don't know enough of the Bible, and everyone's like, hey, you guys know in the Bible and Daniel, and they're like, I don't even know that Daniel's in the Bible, you know? Haggai, and you're like, how do you even spell that? Jehoshaphat, and you're like, Jehoshaphat, what? You know, like we don't even, like you start feeling uncomfortable, and they're like, everybody knows this story, and you're like, I've never even read it, man, I don't even know, I don't know that story. So you start to feel a little insecure. Well, and then you try to go home and you try to figure out how to do it and like how to like you get into community and maybe, you know, like you like maybe you never played Gaga Ball before and you get to camp and you're like, I don't know what's going on. You start to feel a little insecure. Get a little bit discouraged. I don't know if I fit in. I don't know if I don't know how to do this. Um, for many of us, when we get discouraged like that, we just get up and leave. And we live in a time right now where so many of those that were committed, faithful followers of Jesus have been so discouraged by the things that are going on in, in our world. They haven't rooted themselves in community. That what they do is they just get discouraged. They get up. And like me, as I was facing this battle with a king crab, just leave. I guess this doesn't work. But yet Jesus has something for us in community. Not only does God want to teach us how to 
be a people together. God, God wants to teach us through our community together how we actually engage with him. I'm reminded in the Bible, Jesus calls his disciples friends. I know I'm going to call you servants. I call you friends. God cares that we understand how to have healthy relationships, how to have healthy friendships. Part of what we're doing in community is learning in some ways how to care and have a relationship with Jesus. So it matters. He wants us to be shaped in community. In fact, what Paul is writing in the book of Ephesians, he says, live a manner worthy of your calling. What you're called into is to be the people of God. You're called into the body. So living in a manner worthy is, uh, is in direct correlation with being the community. And what does he say? Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, unified. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another's burdens and unified. Humble, you gotta see people. Gentle, you gotta care. Patient, you have to stay in the story when, they're, when the story feels uncertain. Bearing one another's burdens. You gotta, to bear someone's burdens, you gotta know the burdens that others are bearing themselves. So you gotta kinda get, get in their story. Even if you don't like them, right? Cause like, you don't really have to bear someone's burdens when you like that person. Like, that's kinda easy. It's like bearing the burdens of people that you don't really get along with, hearing their story, carrying it, put it on your shoulders and saying, if this is hard for you, then it's hard for us. Being unified. When was the last time we came to church and we're like, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna see someone. I'm gonna care for someone. I'm gonna listen to their story. I'm gonna take what they're carrying. I'm gonna choose to be unified. I'm gonna sit by someone new today. I hear times all the time people go like, man, I just didn't get anything from church today. And I was like, did you sit somewhere different and pray for the person next to you? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, well, you're not, you're, do that next week. I prompt, go to church next week, sit by someone you've never sat by before with the whole intention that what you're going to do is you're going to see them. You're going to try to listen to them. You're going to care for what they care about. You're going to hear their story and you're going to pray for them. I promise you, the Lord will start to move in your community differently if like right now, I mean, if I was really like bold, I'd be like, all right, everyone stand up. You know, I got a microphone, stand up, switch seats and pray for that person, right? We're not gonna do that, but we totally could later. <laughs> Next time you go to youth group, sit by someone different. And if like, and stir up your faith and be like, I'm gonna sit by the person that I don't even think I like at youth group. I'm gonna sit by them. I'm gonna hear them. I'm gonna ask them how their week was. I'm not gonna be like, good, I'm tired. Is not good enough. I'm gonna be like, no, don't tell me, man. How can I pray for you? What do you want? What are you seeking from God right now? Man, that'd be crazy. Because let me tell you what happened. Other people would come into your church and be like, these guys are wild. This is bonkers. Like they actually care for each other. It's not just the pastor and the youth team that are like, hey man, want a slice of pizza? It's like the people actually care for each other. That's what, that's beautiful. That's something different. Oftentimes what we see in the church is arrogance, criticism, impatience, closed off, disunified. Hey, I saw what you posted on Facebook. I think you're this. Hey, I'm pretty sure I know who you voted for. You have this yard sign in your, in your yard. So we're divisive. So the church as an image of unity, oneness, 
has become the place that looks just like your local gym, just like your local places of gathering. It becomes divided. I mean, we have this video, our church is like church is family. But what, what family sometimes feels like is those awkward Thanksgiving where your conspiracy theorist uncle and then your hyper-religious aunt and then your non-religious cousin all come together and we just don't talk about anything other than golf or sports or something about the weather. And then we just go in other separate rooms and we go, this group's over here and this group's over here. We're not unified at all. That's not the image of family that God wants to cultivate in the church. He actually wants us to get okay with being frustrated that other people have other opinions than we do and allowing us to understand how to engage with him. Because I promise you this, there will be times in your walk with Jesus where his opinion about what you should do is going to be a little confrontational to what you think you should do with your life. And maybe God wants to teach you how to accept some hard things or different opinions like as a training method with people sitting around you so that when he says, hey, I want you to go here, and you go, I don't want to go there, you're already beginning to get used to going like, but I'm okay hearing, receiving, being confronted. I'm okay. I'm safe. And this is normal. And you have a vision for unity that isn't everyone just believing the same thing. It's a vision of everyone striving to look like Jesus. It is by our unity, our oneness, that the world will see the beauty of Jesus. In fact, even Jesus says this, I want you in his high priestly prayer, I want you to be unified as I and the Father are one and unified. If we produce churches that are just disunified and opinionated and, you know, blasting everybody with what they think is the right thing to do, uh, I think we kind of missed the mark on what Jesus wanted us to do. And I'm not saying you don't have opinions. Those are important. I think you should know why you do everything that you do. We talked about it in practices. I believe you should, we should be people of conviction. I believe you should be people that actually do research and study and, and, and make well-formed decisions. Um, I just think we have to understand that we're unified by one thing, and it's not our opinions, our status, our finances, our, our race, our ethnicity, uh, what we believe about our like, political standings and whatnot. I mean, you guys are in high school, but I'm sure that you're told what you should and should not believe about certain things, and you're experiencing that, and you go, like, this person's out, this person's in, I don't really want, like, that doesn't unify us. Finding a group of a homogenous group of people that all believe the same thing doesn't require unity. So if Paul's teaching us to have unity, it might mean that we need to be around people that are different. You know, and I'm not saying you just go around trying to collect different people. I'm just saying, look around. Everyone in this room is different right now. They all have different stories. And so we've already got it. Check off. Differences, okay. Opinions, probably different in this room. Like, some, I, like literally right outside, we were talking about movies that we like. It's like some people like Marvel. Some people hate Marvel. Some people love like this like, movie and other people's hate. Like in this room, there's different opinions. Okay, so check diversity off. Can we be unified in it? Can we be unified on the one thing that matters? Paul says one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, one, one, one. We are one. We're not in this as individuals. You don't just continue and walk out this door as an individual. No, you walk out together, which means the, the, the health and care for all of us really, really matters. 
I might be do I might be stoked, man. Camp was great. I slept for a hundred hours this weekend. Like, woo! I love these mattresses, right? Like I was warm, I was cozy, I had all these mozzarella sticks, I felt so good. Maybe you feel awesome right now, but someone else is afraid to go back home because when they go back home, there's a lot of pain back there. So guess what? The body isn't doing perfect if someone is hurting. That's why we gotta care for each other. We all gotta care for each other. You know, in Colossians and Ephesians, Paul paints this picture of a triumphant entry, right? We see in Ephesians 4, it says that, that he, he ascended and then he put on display the captives that he overcame, that he put on display captives. In Colossians, he goes a little bit further, he says, putting to shame death. Here's a history lesson for you. I know it's Sunday, I know we're all tired, and you're like, Mitch, can we just wrap this up? But let me just give you just a little bit, and then we'll move to a close. In 29 BC, Octavian unifies Rome by doing all these strategic battles. And what does he do? He, he marches his troops. He actually had three days of, of a party, three days of a parade. And he would walk through. And, and what he would do is behind him would be his military. And behind them would be all the people that they conquered. They would put them to shame. So the townspeople would gather together and like, tomato, you know, like getting, getting, getting riled up. And they would put to shame all of the people that they conquered. And then in the middle of it, Octavian would begin to throw gifts around to bring unity to Rome. Paul alludes to what Jesus did on the cross as a greater example than what Octavian did. You see, the world always wants to conjure up ways that we can be unified. Ways that we can throw these, we, I mean, we throw these parades and we think that we're unified, right? Like, and it just, or protests or whatever it may be, we think we're going to be unified. And, and in the same way, we're just repeating history over and over and over again. But Paul says in Ephesians and Colossians that there is one who can bring us into a unity that actually overcomes the ways of this world. And just like Octavian, oh, he puts on display the captives that he overcame, sin, shame, the death, the grave, darkness, evil, corruption, selfishness. And he marches in with like the beautiful, the people of God, those that have gone before him. Or not before Jesus, but yeah, the fathers of the faith and the, the people of God, they march, we celebrate, we see them, great cloud of witnesses. And just like Octavian, Jesus throws us gifts gives us identity. God the Father gives you an identity. And Jesus throws us these gifts of ministry. That's the Holy Spirit, prophecy, evangelism, being an apostle, a teacher, a pastor. This isn't just gifts for those that are on the stage. These are gifts for the body. Now there's elders that lead churches. They use their gifts to lead the body, but each one of us has been given an identity and a ministry filled with the Holy Spirit to bring together. And these gifts are called to equip us into maturity. So maybe this, this, this retreat has stirred you for calling. Maybe you've received something. I want to tell you that Jesus has gifts for you in 
that place of stirring and that it matters that you come together, that the church would be equipped. Apostles extend, prophets integrate, evangelists expand, pastors nurture, teachers understand. You need each other. You need each other. You need to grow in giving your gift away to each other. Church isn't what it's meant to be when it's just a self-servicing activity, but when it is a self-sacrificial community, we are unified, empowered, equipped, and grow in maturity. The idea of being equipped is to mend a net together. How do, why does it matter that your gift shows up on, on Sundays or Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, or throughout the week? Because it's, it's how we actually... In fact, you would be equipping a net when you're reweaving a net together. You want community, you want family, you want to have a restored, vibrant community of God in, in the midst of wherever you find yourself. You've got to give your gift because it mends things together. Some of you have a gift of mending things together found in your gift of pastoring, teaching, or prophesying starting new things or bringing new people and you mend things together. To equip means to restore. You want a beautiful community where people that feel like they've lost something in their life get restored? Your gift needs to show up. Your gift needs to show up. You need to show up. It matters that you show up because someone around you, even right now, like someone to your left or right might be like, man, I'm down. This was cool, but I'm down. I, I feel low. Your gift shows up, all of a sudden, you bring them into a vibrancy. It means to align. If you broke your arm, equipping means to bring that back into alignment. So it's casting. Something broken around you, your gift needs to show up so it can be healed. And it means to prepare for battle. To equip was to pack a ship for war. So many of you... Maybe we're inspired last night to carry out the mission that God has for you. So it matters that you're in community because in community you're equipped to carry out the calling that God's put on you. You're formed into the character that you need to sustain that calling. You get the things that you need to go out to the ends of the earth. It matters that we're in community because we need each other to be filled, to fulfill the calling that God has on our lives. Ephesians 4.14 teaches us that we'll move from infants to maturity, that we'll move from tossed back and forth into being able to be stable people, that we can be moved from being blown here and there to being settled, having an aim. What if this generation chooses unity within the church that we wouldn't be more formed by Instagram posts, TikTok information, news networks, this, that, and the other, and we actually just get formed by who Jesus says he is? What if that was us? What if that's you? What if that's you? I think that's what North Carolina and South Carolina and this world actually needs, the South as a whole. Like, that's what we need. Church that actually goes back to being church. A radical community that faces the pressures of this world but yet stands strong and puts on display the love of Jesus. Uh, that sounds pretty compelling. That's what I want. I'm tired of being like, welcome, my, my apartment complex says welcome home when I, you know, drive in, right? A little sign, welcome home. I'm tired of tur going, turning up to church and being like, welcome home. And then this home is not anywhere I want to be. And I'm not saying that about my church or your church. I'm just saying we get to build the next church. You know, some of you will build churches. 
What if we build a church that says, welcome home, and you feel like you want to be at that home? Man, I want that. What if our youth groups become that? When you gather, you're like, I want to be here, man. I'm going to choose to be the reason people want to be here. I'm going to give my gifts away, and I'm going to trust that everyone else is giving their gifts away. And it's like a blessing. It's a party. It's a celebration. It's beautiful. It's unified. I love coming to church. I love it. It is in the worship. It is in the word, although it's probably great. But I love being here because when I give someone like a hug, I'm like, you're, gonna, you're ride or die. Like, you're with this with me. You carry my stuff. You know me better than I know myself sometimes. Like, you encourage me when I feel low. What if we made that? The body of Christ is where people go from immature to mature, from unstable to stable, and from aimless to on mission. You were created to be joined and held together with those next to you. God calls you, interrupts your life, Jesus invites you to follow him in his ways and the Holy Spirit empowers you to do it. We get invited into community of God. And I'm gonna move to a close here. The only response that we can have is like this whole week, man. I just need to repent for my vision of community and embrace Jesus' vision of community. I just need to turn from my structures, my systems, my beliefs, my opinions. God, I repent for places where I have been arrogant, critical, impatient, unloving, ununified, disunified. And I want to return. So God, I ask that you humble me. And I believe that when I humble, when I come humbly before you, lift the humble. That I have a great high priest that empathizes for me and in the midst of my mistakes, loves me, contends for me. Do you know that Jesus is always interceding on your behalf he's always praying for you so maybe maybe the church just needs to look a little more like jesus i want to pray for people even if i disagree with people maybe rather than posting about someone or gossiping about someone i'm just going to bless them with my words you know your words have power every single time that you you speak a curse over someone that person that person's not cool that person that person uh i don't like that person that person's this that and whatever else that we can figure out how to say you're speaking a curse over them you know in the old testament those kind of things actually had weight they believed that what you could sow would either walk someone into darkness and into light jesus says there's power in the words all throughout the bible it says to guard our tongues maybe instead of just like speaking ill of someone we speak blessings over them even when we don't like them, even when we disagree with them, we just go, I hope that that person, every time someone wrongs me, I literally try to pray that their finances go up, their favor goes up, their, their, their family goes up. I have to do this. I'm tired of being a pastor that can do this kind of stuff and preach a good word and be like, I see destiny in this room, get in my car and cuss out someone because they literally cut me off. Like, I'm not doing it anymore. Or be sarcastic and hide it behind humor and be like, it's just okay. It's just okay. I'm just going to cut them down. This person needs to get cut down. They need to get, I'd like, I'm just gonna quote Kendrick Lamar. You need to sit down and be humble. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do this all the time, but I'm called and we're called to be people that build each other up, build each other up, reinforce. So what if we just understood that Jesus has empathy in our biggest mess ups, in our biggest blunders, in our biggest storms. He has empathy for us. So rather than just critiquing how, what got that person into that place, I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna stir them up. I'm gonna believe the best of them. I'm gonna believe that they really, really meant it for good. Oh, I'm going to sit in the tension. You know, sometimes we don't... I lost my father-in-law March of this year. And like for the first week, the church was great. And I love my church. I love my people. They're, oh, I love it. We, we get grieving 
that's like, hey man, I heard that that happened. I'm sorry, bro. For the first week, you're like, hey, how are you doing? How you doing? You doing good? Okay. I'm praying for you, man. Good vibes. You know what I'm saying? I'm praying for you right here. I got you. First week. A month goes by. Two months go by. We, don't, we just don't do grieving in, in America well at all. You know, we just, we just don't do it. What if, what if the church was like, hey, you know what? I'm actually in your story until your story gets everything that God has for that story. You doing okay? I know it's been like six months since this happened or two years, three years, five years, ten years. And I just know that sometimes the enemy just wants to remind you of all the bad stuff in your life. You feel okay today? You, you in it? Like, what if we link? What if we were okay being like, I love my church because I'm literally going to stay in the story. I believe the best is yet to come. And I believe that Jesus does finish what he starts. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's writing us into a future that he has for us. And it's better than we can ask, think, or imagine. That's who Jesus is. So I'm just going to choose that even though it doesn't look like it right now, you're not in this alone. Oh, what did you come in today with? What were you carrying? I'm going to carry it with you. Man, I just want this. And I'm... I will close. I'm sorry. I'm going long. I, I, I'm, I'm just reminded of, of the expression of the body in the Bible where the four friends carry the paralyzed friend to the presence of Jesus. You see, when we start to get this right, all of a sudden, we start going and looking around going, I got to get my friends there. I have to get people around there. My mom needs to come to this. My dad needs to come to this. My sister, my brother, my friend at school. Like, they, like this is actually worth bringing someone. I, got, I saw Jesus, and I received his people, and it changed my life. So I'm going to bring everyone I can, not just because it's about getting people to it, but it's about getting people to him because we encountered something. And so I just want to encourage you. You know, I don't have many... Let us repent for where we've settled for a lesser vision of community. And let us receive a vision and be challenged by the vision of God's community. And I just believe it always starts. It always starts with a youth movement. And I don't say that lightly. Like it starts with you. Your humility, kindness, empathy, vision of unity can be the thing that challenges a world that in the pressures of the last few years have just gotten really good at being divided. Oh, you can shake it up. You can shake it up. I actually, man, I see like a church that's humility in their youth groups makes parents uncomfortable because all of a sudden you're hanging out with kids whose parents believe things that, th that they all disagree on. Whoa. That could, that could change a whole city. You know that could change a whole city? A youth group, a community, a body of Christ being so unified that it confronts the disunity of the parents, the grandparents, the ways of the city. Like, that's significant. And I just say that to you to go, I believe that if we get this, it could, oh, I could change everything. If we understood that discipleship is being shaped and sent, and that he wants to shape us, and by
by confronting everywhere we've accepted a lesser version. Oh man, we can do something beautiful. So Jesus, we love you. We trust you, Lord. I pray over each one of these communities. I pray over each one of these leaders, God. And I don't just mean the older ones that are here. I mean the leaders in this room that are called to lead into being formed into your image. God, I pray a blessing. I pray favor. I pray empowerment. I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister. And God, I do pray for a youth movement that is unified and reveals the beauty of your church to a broken world. And that it would be an encouragement and an invitation into discipleship and a life with you. And Oh, Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, we follow you, we love you, we trust you, we give our lives to you. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.